Warning, the following content contains sounds. Some sapiens of Homo have episodic memories with undesired correlation sensations with particular sounds depending upon their mood and personalities. Although many attach their identities with notions and actions, the mockery that is included in here is directed towards the latter two and not the first. Having said that, hello, welcome to Correlation Sensations, a show where I talk about your mother's mammalian protuberances. Yes, yes. Mm. <laughs> Recording. Oh, okay. Well, hello. Welcome to Correlation Sensation. This is episode seven. Isn't that right, Void? Void? Oh, fuck. I knew I forgot something. Where did he go? Not under, not underneath the table. God damn it. Void. Void. Yo, Void. Not here. That's okay. I can keep you out. What you say? I said that's okay. I can help you out. Nobody asked you. I need the void. Let me call. Void. Let me see here. I'm gonna give him a ring a ding ding. You better answer your goddamn phone. But you're not void. Son of a bitch. Anywho, guess I'm gonna have to do this all by myself. You still don't want my help? Well, it's kind of lonely without void. Tell you that much. Let's let's just play it by ear. Okay. Okay, this is uh, episode 7, like I said. If I didn't, oh, I don't think I said that. Well, this is episode 7. We're gonna cover Alchemy On of a Crouton. Yep, he was the king of the salads. Yep, we call him Salad Tosser. Isn't that right, Void Number 2? Yes, that is right. 
We call Alchemion the Salatossing Croton Man. Yep. He's a one old dude, too. He was a uh, lived around a 400 or 500 BCE to 450 BCE. Ah, uh, yeah. Anyways, we go to the background of Alchemion's environment. Because like most individuals, for their narratives to make much sense, we're going to put the environment around him. Yes. So, before I go into Alchemion's of a Crouton's life, I want to go into some currently accepted beliefs surrounding the time period and landscape of this sapien of Homo. Alchemion is considered to have been a Greek, and the Croton, no wait, it's Croton. You know, and maybe the phone will help me out a little bit here. Yeah, I don't know why I didn't look it up before, but I am doing it now. Do-do. Pronunciation. Croton. 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 Okay. Then not as fun as Crouton. Anywho. Yeah. Yeah. Croton. Was it Croton? Croton, yeah. Croton was a city in what is now referred to as Southern Italy. When I refer to what is called the Greeks during Alchemy of Croton's life, in the 5th and 6th century BCE, I am referring to people who have uh, been known to use the Greek language as their primary mode of communication. There was no united Greek empire, no, no, no. Um, they were not organized, they did not have a patriotic rhetoric for war or conquest. As a matter of fact, a lot of these Greek people were in what is now called Italy. Huh. Boy, they're kind of interesting. It's often time said that many of the Greek towns were struggling to live side by side with each other. Oh, not very fun to be around there. Yep, it is communicated that around the 6th century BCE, enough wealth had accumulated that an aristocracy of culture had formed, and some cliques of this culture thoughts had been questioned, and the status quo began to erode in a budding of a reasoning to discuss knowledge and what is referred to as the natural order of things began to flourish. <laughs> I drool. More. Many of these people are currently called the pre-Socratic scholars who thrived in this environment. They are said by some scholars today to have developed a new mental perspective regarding research and speculation. This time has even been referred to as the dawn of philosophy. Oh, sounds pretty spiffy, huh? Hmm, cleaning the grease with dawn of philosophy. Brainwashing, if you will. Oh, oh, oh. oh these guys were filthy animals. Hmm, I would like to point out that in the previous two episodes, well, Void and I went that way. Goddamn Void. Goddamn Void. It's okay. He's probably just scratching himself somewhere in the corner. 
He's afraid to say anything or answer the phone because his hands are filthy from scratch. That's not nice. Well, you know, sometimes things aren't very nice. Hey, you. You leave right out of this. Okay. I would like to point out that in the previous two episodes, Void and I went to went into some sparse detail regarding the Ayurvedic system of Hindu medicine. You know, that a very uh, similar transpiration uh, formed where a thought had changed, you know. Keeping that in mind, it's before this era, so maybe the Ayurvedic was a little bit more towards the Dharma philosophy. But uh, philosophy, uh, it changes throughout time. So I would think like, you know, that whole change in system in the beliefs and religious rigmarole is also philosophy in my opinion. So I don't know why they consider this the Dharma philosophy. Anywho, like most subjects, people have uh, discussed multiple camps of ideas have formed based off with little documentation that's made through the test of time and what has been publicly displayed for us to read it's believed that there were two primary camps of thought for the concept of human thought Ooh. in the knowledge which is also referred to as the human mind do you mind about the human mind void oh i don't know what you're supposed to answer something and say something speezy, snazzy. Hmm. Anyways, these two camps were ideas of the heart and ideas of the brain. And these ideas were at war with each other amongst the people who spoke Greek around this time. At least those who uh, had enough time and wealth to contemplate these thoughts without going into the toil of the farm laboring time. And a uh, camp for heart is referred to as cardiocentric theory while the camp for the brain is encephalocentric theory although there is evidence that the ayurvedic system of hindu medicine had already came to the conclusion by means oh my god what the fuck see this is what happened why not here in the fire go beep you do let me put this out real quick <coughs> <coughs> Now, where were we? Yet that was just a fire, nothing to see here. Or here, here. Yup. We were talking about system of Ayurvedic Hindu Abududu. No, the Ayurvedic system of Hindu medicine already came to the conclusion by means of dissection and contemplation with large amount of texts that have made it through the test of time, showing that they already had the conclusion that the brain was the center of thought. You okay? Ah, uh, I think so. So, uh, Camion is uh, given more credit than uh, I would have given him, but, uh, Life goes like that sometimes. It is true that while the Egyptians are currently accepted to have believed that the heart to be the seat of the mind, even through empirical data, we can see that they suggested that the impact of trauma to the brain and spinal cord, that they knew that the brain and the spinal cord were linked to thinking and all sorts of physical actions. If you don't know this already, 
You can check Edwin Smith Papyrus. They can show you there. Yeah, it's on our uh, podcast. You should look it up. If you haven't listened to anything before this on our podcast, uh, you turn off now. That's right. You you turn it off and you go back and you uh, you'll be a good person and you'll listen to everything. God damn it. So, so, I'd argue that hastily drawn conclusions to outright discard the documents like the Edwin Smith papyrus for a preference of religious actions like mummification, just to say that the Egyptians thought this when clearly all throughout history we know that every culture has people who agree and disagree no matter who wrote what and where and why. And uh, Edwin Smith papyrus is just a sign of that. At least that's what I think. Anywho, while the Ayurvedic system placed the mind in the brain, the soul sat just below the brain. There is uh, no other suggestion from documentation that anyone we currently know of at a public level would have believed that both the mind and the soul resided in the brain before alchemy on. So, I give Alchemion that much credit. Prior to proceeding, I would like to disclose that only five publicly known fragments of Alchemion's writings have survived, while only 18 texts from other individuals have survived, which talk about Alchemion and his life, and what he has said and what he hasn't said, many of whom lived after Alchemion's lifetime. Yep. And this is how they use information to fill in gaps on Alchemion's existence. Whether he existed or not, I don't know. But there is strong enough evidence for people to believe so. I wonder, I wonder if Alchemion was only one individual from these other writings, you know. Because I have a feeling when you have several hundreds of people, names kind of go, you know, circulate again, you know. How many people you know are afraid? I don't know any. But I know there are many people named John, or John, or Bob, Robert, Frankenstein. No, I don't know any name Frank. I know one named Void, and that the bastard... You calm down, you hear? He's probably working really hard. Maybe his space, I mean, his his car, yeah. Maybe his car just broke down or something. Yeah, probably. That's probably what happened, yeah. We'll just think of it like that. I hope he didn't get the butt raped or stolen. Oh, I hope nobody steal Void. He's a very valuable asset to this company. Oh. You know, people are more than just resources. Yeah, but if you take a one course on economics, you know that the people are nothing more than resources to those who have businesses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I tell you what, if people don't start taking responsibility for understanding that they are the one who produce life on... You know, this uh, sounds a little more politically. Avoid to, uh, you should go back down in the hall. We don't want anybody to get a little lively here. We're going through this uh, history, yeah. This is what really, this is good for drowning out all the live noises, you know. Okay. So, 
a scholarly source, source number one I use, communicated that all of what is believed regarding this individual has been retrieved by doxographic studies of people known for philosophical achievements of dates following El Camion's lifetime, while two scholarly sources, both one and three, indicate five surviving fragments of El Camion's work have been used and these five fragments all come from one book of Alchemion's. So, there's not very much left. I have also seen multiple other sources indicating th that the fragments of uh, Alchemion's writings were only of five as well, but I do not use them because I didn't use them for this specific podcast episode. From what the little texts give us information, Alchemion's birth and death dates are unknown. But there are several documents which agree that the place of Alchemion was born in a Kruton. I mean, Kruton. Yep. There are several remaining documents which refer to the place of Alchemion's birth. So, we know that. This explains the given title for this sapien of the Homo. Alchemion's life is based off of so much speculation that conventional cultural standards for Greek masters and disciples were used to assume Alchemion's age. For example, masters were commonly 40 years older than their pupils. Based off of writing... God damn it, who are you? Oh, whoa, it's void. Should we answer it for it too? Yes, yes, answer it. We must save him from the evil reapers. Okay. Hello? Hello, you better have a good explanation, you bastard. I was on the can. The can? Yes. Oh, that hurts. Yeah, you don't want can up there. No. No. No, Yeah, no, no, not good at all. Yeah, so, so, uh, you okay, though? You didn't get raped or kidnapped? No, just, uh, car trouble. Car, oh, I knew it. I told you void number two. That's okay. Yeah, see, don't, I got a, I got a, I made up character for, for you. Yes. Yeah, so, so, uh, uh, what's going on with the car? Really loud. Oh when no, not good. It's a simple belt. It's a simple belt issue. Oh. Getting uh, maintenance done tomorrow. Oh, I'm the fact is it's the belt that uh, keeps the alternator going, and so if it breaks, your battery will die because it doesn't. It won't charge itself. Serpentine belt. Run. Yo, that's why I don't like to wear belts. You, you like the uh, tiny string. I, yeah, I, the drawstring, yeah. Yeah, you also favorite pastime as drawings. Yeah, I draw in conclusions hastily, yeah. Yes. Yeah, well. Yeah. Uh, so, what are you talking about? I'm talking about Alchemion. Alchemion, okay. Yeah, uh, you go, get this. I was calling it Alchemion of Crouton. Crouton? Yeah, I don't but get joke. what? I don't get the joke. Oh, he salad, he salad tosser. 
Well, it was it was funnier when I thought of it. Okay. Maybe the magic of humor went away. Yes. Well, I'm just glad you're okay and nobody body snatched you. Yes. I was at uh, work for a long time because no one showed up, so I had to stay a little bit longer too. Bastards. Yes. I think maybe she quit. We had meeting on Saturday. No show up, then Jen show up to work. Ah. Even though I talked to him the night before and said, Remember, we got a meeting. He's like, yes. Well, maybe he got body snatched. No, no, he, he, uh, he's still high school kid. I hope not. He lived with family. That is a prime time for body snatching, though. I think he is okay. I think they heard from him, but still, it's weird. Oh, yeah. Maybe he just doesn't like the job. Yeah, I'm going to blame him. One time I walk out on work. Well, yes. One, one, one friend uh, got in a fight at movie theater because guys spilled popcorn all over. And he was his co-worker. And he's like, why are you doing this? And then he just punched him and left. He said, sorry, he's pissing me off. And I said, that's understandable. Ah. Uh, yes. I like to make hat out of popcorn bucket. No. I don't know if this grease here, the popcorn bucket, or you. I'm kidding. Oh, yeah? I don't know either. Sometimes I think I'm the greasy one. Yes. Well, so I better get back to this information. There's lots of things to say. Yes. Um, are you gonna be able to make it for next time? Yeah, if it should be easy fix. Yeah, it, you know, uh, I could beam you up next time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I forgot. Last time you had extra nitrogen. Oh, bad time. Yeah, bad time. Not good. Okay. You have a good time. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. You hear it, people. Void is okay. God damn it. You take that back, you little bastard. No. What? I say no. No, you don't disobey me. I brought you into this world, I could take you out. No, I am here to stay. That little prick. He just walked away. Just like that. After saying such a mean poo-poo things. <laughs> Anywho. Yep, so much speculation that they used the Greek cultural standards for Greek masters and disciples to assume Alchemion's age. For example, yeah, the 40-year difference, yeah. And based off writings, it is accepted that Alchemion's predecessor, who was none other than Pythagoras. Yes, that's right, people. He flourished around the date of 532 BCE. So, Alchemion is speculated to have been an adult from 500 to 450 BCE. Oh, that's a long time. That's a big gap, I do. Relatively, no. I mean, all the trillions of years. But we're not talking about that. One human named Liratius gave a name, Perithus, as the father for Alchemion. Hmm. I searched the name Liratius and stumbled upon one named 
Diogenes Laurentius, who lived in the 3rd century BCE, hundreds of years after Alcamion's lifetime. Jesus, this sapien of the Homo is considered a biographer of ancient people of Greek culture, where he has ten surviving texts which he used to categorize people of his choosing. So, we're relying on some dude who lived hundreds of years after some other dude to tell us accurate information about them. Nothing could go wrong there, right, people? Damn it. Currently, there is the view that Alchemion was not part of the Pythagoreans, even though his master was none other than Pythagoras. And uh, he was not just merely well acquainted with this certain individual. Uh, writings describe the closeness of Pythagoras with Alchemion, if you know what I mean. Ha! So close, in fact, they're regarded in this quote here. Independent of Pythagoras and his followers, although after Pythagoras arrived in the same city, the two could not have remained without a mutual contact or influence. From Source 1, who referenced Guthrie in their book, Written in 1962, page 347. That is a lot of pages. Even though this is merely a quote from a writing in the 20th century regarding Alchemion, as not a he is known for going to Croton's medical school instead. Pythagoras' school is described as more of a private school for the hoity-toities with a religious tone, while the medical school was a democratic public school. Blech! My bias has me postulating all over my face that religious tones were popular in almost all educational settings. For in fact, when I was just a wee little sapling, I remember talking about God with a flag. Why he care about the flag, I don't know. Ideologies are still heavily prevalent today. Where if one doesn't agree with the popular dogma twisted up by professors and the pupils who agree, they are discriminated against, ridiculed, and smothered with ad hominems designed to demean those who have differing opinions. I do accept that at times there are allowable things to argue about. Yes, yes, yes. But when it comes to questioning the primary driven stakes of perception, being hammered into the young, malleable minds of students, demonizing occurs. Slurs of prejudice are used to whip the scapegoats of today even. If you pay attention, you can see and hear it in several courses you take, pushing narratives that are so repetitive that you cannot go without hearing them, and eventually, in a subconscious manner, they become fact without question. And what's interesting is you can hear them too. They're not directly related to the topic of the course, and they will be going into your ears and eyes. Hmm. See if that same narrative is pumped into your senses at other classes, and you will see 
something. Something you will see, I tell you what. That is what the dogmatic belief is, and that is what ideology is, that is what the brainwashing is. I have another quote from Source 1, Hoffman, 1993, page 11. The reason that Philolas is a Pythagorean and alchemy owner is not, is that Philolas lived a Pythagorean life while Alchemion did not. Pah! Oh, really? Let's see, hmm. This book was written in 1993 from someone who is uh, way far away from the whole thing. Perhaps he was quoting another individual. Hmm. So, we have a dude, me, referencing another dude, my source number one, referencing another dude, Huffman, referencing another dude, probably, or perhaps I mean, referencing another dude who just happened to observe something. I'm just saying, you ever play the game telephone in elementary school or preschool? It is one thing I never forgot. I never forgot the telephone game and I play it with myself every day. With Void, of course, goddammit, Void. I tell him, take that thing into the car, damn car doctor. And he say, what? I said, yeah, take it to the car doctor. He said, no, no, I wait till everything goes down. Yeah. Hey, what, you, you going to apologize? Hell no. Why you not apologize? Because I have every right to say what I want. Yes, you do. Freedom of speech, at least in America. But still, you really don't have freedom of speech, do you? No. No. Well, I guess you do. You can't get arrested. Well, you can't get arrested for saying the wrong thing. Oh, let me tell you what. You go inside of a building and you say something like very threatening. You're gonna have some explaining to do. Anywho, why we get on these stupid topics again? Oh, what is that noise? That was enough of that sound, I tell you what. If one questioned uh, what the author of this quote is getting at, you could come to the conclusion that perhaps he was making an argument to claim that Alchemion wasn't a Pythagorean, even though there is writing showing the closeness where uh, Alchemion and Pythagoras were, you know. Yet, guilty by association is yet another assumption, commonly leading to poor understanding of all sorts of situations. But my point is that claiming someone didn't follow all the tenets of a belief system all the way does not mean that they cannot possibly be a part of the belief system. All throughout history, there have been people who call themselves Jews, Christians, and Muslims. But I do not see all these people at war with each other 100% of the time for a simple little things. Huh. You know. Wait. Wait. Yeah, a lot of them were, actually. But there's still lots of people who call themselves Christian. But there's a lot of people that don't follow all the rules. Were Jews. I knew this Jew one time. 
He ate a bacon cheeseburger. He broke two of the rules. And let me tell you what. I don't think that the meat was exactly kosher in the first place. And by meat, I mean the beef patty. Hmm. Make me wonder what's going on here. Many people pick and choose what they are like for religion. For a plethora of explanations for a matter of fact. Because a bacon tastes pretty goddamn good if you ask me. Either way, this quote was taken out of context without any more detail given into the paragraph or rest of the page. Huh. Which in itself is a cherry-picking moment. So you're telling me that this person did not read that book just because he only had one or two quotes from the book? Hey. The Crotonian Medical School is said to have allowed students to directly study patients with time's perception of medical methods coupled with empirical data were used to help the progress of Crotoni on the medical school. A state tax called Yetricon was implemented. Let me let you know what. I'm going to look this one up too. Do 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 living in the USA do 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 living in the USA Play did it do 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 Play do 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 it's not how you spell it. I-A-R. Wait. I-A-T-R. Oh, yeah. Ooh, Greek writing pop-up. This must be the right one. And, oh, Facebook. I don't care about Facebook. Except except when you want to uh, want to contact me on Facebook as Gork Mouth. You can find me. Link in the description, too. Blah, blah, it's not as simple as the other word. So, the word is spelled I-A-T-R-I-K-O-N. Iatricon is what I'm going to call it. It's a state tax. It was used to implement so physicians could take care of uh, those who were monetarily unwealthy and had illnesses. So, yes, the state-funded healthcare system back in the day, too. Here is the next section. Alchemion, anatomy, and physiology. Along with medicine, it is said that natural science was another topic which Alchemion studied and wrote about. The sapien of Homo, who was given credit for cataloging many historical figures, remember him? Yeah. Laretius claimed that the most important book of Alchemion's lifetime was called De Natura. Yeah. That translates to natural philosophy. Perhaps today that sounds like a rehashed title for some textbook, you know. But I bet back in the day, that title was as crisp as the dawn after a snowstorm in the middle of winter. This book was considered so important due to the influence it had on later people. Individuals such as Hippocrates, Herophilus, Plato, Galen, and some others were influenced by this writing. We know this because they referenced this work in some of their own surviving documents. 
This book is said to be where the five fragments known to survive came all over your face from. Like crouton salad tassing. Salad tassing? Salad tossing alchemy on. Leaving all other texts quoting or claiming notions from alchemy on unverifiable with his own work. Hmm. Anatomy is indicated as being Alcumion's favorite topic. If you take the word of one who lived in 1863 named Watchler, texts from other individuals gave credit to Alcumion for describing the tubes connecting the middle ear to the nasopharynx. Unfortunately, these tubes are named after someone from the Renaissance era named Eustachius. Rather than Alcumion tubes, they are named Eustachius tubes. Apparently, the information was not passed down through academic communities all the way up to the Renaissance time. So, Eustachius is given credit for rediscovering them in 1562. Senses such as hearing, seeing, smelling, and tasting were all of great importance, according to many who wrote about Alcumion. So much so, he is given credit for attempting to describe how these senses were transmitted to the brain as the primary center for perception and knowledge. The following is a breakdown of these four senses and the description Alcumion is said to have used. We have hearing. Here's a quote. Hearing is by means of the ears. He, parentheses, Alcumion, in the parentheses, says because within them is an empty space. Woohoo! And this empty space resounds. A kind of noise is produced by the cavity, semicolon, and internal air re-echoes this sound, end quote. Source 1, referenced Theophrastus of 1917, page 89. Hmm, empty space. Was he talking about in between his ears empty space? No, couldn't be. Some suggest that Alcamion was the first to attempt to explain this specific perception of sound from human experience by means of the motion of air in the airs. I would argue that there was most definitely another person who thought hard enough before Alcamion. They too would have done such an explanation. If you haven't noticed yet, I am profoundly against idolizing anyone. Because, from experience, every person has inspirations, aspirations, faults, and uh, so on. We are only humans, right, Void? Yes. Yeah, that's right. I tell you what's up. Yes, Master Cork. That is right, Void. Two. Void, two. Yes. Can you go get me a Coke? Okay. That's right, you little bitch. And there have been many times when multiple people have disputes of who was the first to express an understanding or attempt to grasp an understanding, even if it was erroneous, such as the description regarding hearing above from Alcamion. For example, the ear isn't empty, goddammit, even though the outer portion of the ear, which is called the auditory canal, was the only thing that transmitted sound. No, even if that was the only thing that transmits sounds, it still contains air. And the energy communicated by means of disturbances called sound waves. 
he didn't even go deeper into dissection to find out what was inside of the middle or inner ear, as if there isn't a tympanic membrane, also referred to as the eardrum, connected to three tiny bones called the malleus, incus, and stapes. These were connected to the inner ear by means of transmitting signals by the footplate of the stapes to what is called the oval window. This is where we have the semicircular canals in the cochlea. The cochlea contains tiny hair cells called cilia, silly cilia, which then move by means of vibrating, picked up within the cochlea, connected to the auditory nerves, which then produce action potentials based on the frequency of the transmitted energy into the central nervous system, yes, I do know this, but what is important is the information that has been gathered. If the information is wrong by means of poor observation, this only means that the information is wrong. Alchemion shows that an attempt to understand the senses is starting to formulate in the documents that we somehow manage to have grasped through the test of time. Back to topic. Smelling. I don't smell a void anymore. Where did you go, void number two? Void? Hmm. Little bastard. Smelling is by means of the nostrils. In connection with the act of respiration when one draws up their breath to the brain. By their tongue we discern taste. For since it is warm and soft, the tongue dissolves parentheses, substances, with its head. And because of its loose and yielding texture, it readily receives and transmits, parentheses, savers. End parentheses. Oh, by the way, parentheses was ended after substances. That was also a quote from Source 1, who referenced Theophrastus from 1917, page 89, once again. Another human named Plutarch is quoted stating a similar set of words regarding Alchemion's communication regarding taste specifically. Here is the quote. Alchemion says the moist warmth in the tongue, joined with the softness of it, gives a difference of taste. End quote. Source 1, Plutarch, 1898, page 170. <clears throat> When we go back to the initial quote given for smelling, one can easily see why the nostrils are given credit for sniffering and smellering, although later observations will be able to link the olfactory nerve deeper in the cavity to the olfactory bulb, which sends signals for both smelling and the majority of tasting. Alchemion used simple observation for his own experience to realize that the tongue is a great for helping process food for digestion and the capability to pick up signals from certain chemicals. But alas, he was bound to be wrong. Like everything you do initially, you're always going to make mistakes. In onward whole bags, to eyes in sight. <clears throat> Here we go. Reports of allegations regarding Alchemion and dissecting an eye are described in my initial source. 
It didn't specify whether it was a human or from some other animal. I wonder whether he would have stopped at one eye without any drive to see if there was any differences between multiple different types of animals or eye colors amongst the human species. I know I would have sliced open many to see the differences between many different aspects like eye color or maybe illnesses like people born with blindness, people who had blindness from a you know, penetration injury or some type of chemical splish splash on there, or perhaps maybe cataracts, so on and so forth. Yet this is all hypothetical. And I'd like to note that um, Alchemy on uh, didn't really know too much about the ear canal going down to the middle and inner ear. Maybe it just looked like a big mess. Kind of make me think that maybe he didn't actually dissect it, but you know, it's all speculative. Perhaps the act of dissection was frowned upon so much that a great feeling of remorse or guilt would have came all over his face to the point where he only did it once for fear of ostracism or some more sticky remorse. Alas, these are all for a longing to understand what occurred with one's imagination and a great deal of ignorance regarding the individual's actions. For all we know, Alchemion and Pythagoras had the commonly described father and son kind of homosexual relationship that was so common that livestock was oftentimes traded for sex with young children. Back to topic. Blech. Here's a quote from Alchemion, none other than. Yep. I sees through water around about, in the eye obviously has fire within, for when one is struck, parentheses, this fire, in the parentheses, flashes out. Vision is due to the gleaming, that is to say, the transparent character that which in the eye reflects the object, semicolon, in sight is the more perfect the greater purity of this substance. All the senses are connected in some way with the brain. End quote. Source 1, Theophrastus, 1971, page 89. It has been speculated that the reference to the fire within flashes out that when one gets hit hard enough in the head, it is common to see a bright flash of light when you start to become unconscious. Yep. I would agree with this idea, for I have done this myself. I'd also argue that the people were more than capable of using analogies to describe actions and functions without knowing the literal description of the mechanisms for many subjects. Fire not only describes consuming signals or food, like in the Ayurvedic system of Hindu medicine, but it's also used to see in the nighttime, and it also allows people to see things figuratively and literally. Alas, I would not be surprised if a sapien of the Homo actually thought you had some flame in your eyes. I, for one, would have chose lightning because the flash of light is like a bright white. Anywho, the reason that has been given by one individual when it comes to accusing Alchemion of dissecting an eye is that, quote, 
Alcumion further noted that the globe of the eye contained, quote, again inside of a quote, not liquid water, but completely a concrete humor, end quote, end quote. Source number one, page 11, 1993. This description indicates that the hypothesis or assumption held prior was contradicted by a finding, which was reasonably assumed that the person describing the situation was correcting the notion that they held prior to finding while dissecting an eye, leading one to exclaim observation by dissection is the means by which this conclusion was made. Obviously, not only was the inner contents of the eyeball described, but the physical connection to the eyes had been made to the brain via the cranial nerves, which entered the skull from the back of the eye and through the holes just behind the eyeballs. Although this description is said to have been made by none other than Alcaminon, it wasn't until 700 years later when one named Galen was given credit for naming this nerve as the optic nerve. Whether or not Alcamion dissected or observed someone else performing such a task, some claim this was only performed on animals other than humans. Wink, wink. While others didn't make such a distinction, this topic is still in dispute and I doubt any resolve will come anytime soon or anytime at all for that matter of fact. Now we are going to move past physiology. We're going to go into some more hoobadoo. Alchemion on death and sleep. <laughs> Quote, Alchemion says that sleep is caused when the blood retreats to the concourse of the veins. But when the blood diffuses itself, we then wake. Plutarch, 1898, pages 188 and 189. Hmm. If this were to be true regarding the opinion of why we fall asleep and then wake up, it sounds like one reference to lack of blood flow to, uh, you know, when someone gets strangled to become unconscious. Although there is a lot more which goes into this blood actually does flow throughout your whole body when we are awake and sleep unless knocked out by strangulation and in this case strangulation is the only moment when the blood doesn't really go through all the way and it is still going through god damn it here is another quote but this one is regarding death the reason men die is that they cannot join the beginning to the end. Source 1. Watchler, 1896, page 61. I agree with this explanation to this thought process, which may seem alien to a lot of people today. We are all alive by means of all the connections necessary to be alive. When this connection has been sufficiently severed, one dies. Whatever is responsible for initiating life is connected to all the processes of such. And once the connection has failed, being it the cutting of veins, arteries, spinal nerves, and so on and so forth, which are necessary for respiration, digestion, circulation, uh, um, you know, allowing the body to transport all the right nutrients and other chemicals to all the right points, the system does fail. There is yet another quote regarding Alcamion on death. It goes as follows. When there is a total retreatment of blood from the vessels, then men die. 
Source 1, Plutarch, 1898, page 189. Now, this quote is seen by the author of my first source as a contradictory perspective on death, while I see these two quotes very compatible. While I do agree with our previously stated source uh, on how the uh, latter quote is coming from a physiological perspective of a physician, but I strongly disagree with this author of my first source when they believe that this belief on this first quote is purely metaphysical. It is easy to say that a poetic or analogous description must be metaphysical, but in all reality, when the blood is uh, sufficiently cut off, that is one, the beginning is not connected to the end, which is also coming from someone who could be seen as a physician. So there, in your face, Gaston Celicia of Loyola, Loyola, University of Chicago. Ha! Take that one. Pa! There have been multiple times in the article she had published where she gave Alcamion far too much credit and assumed so little of his tiny little brain. Based off of all timiness, he must have been metaphysical. That is the only time. Yeah. Where did Void do go? He went to the restroom. Who are you? Oh, you can call me Frank. Frank? Don't know about you. Who is that bastard you're talking to over there? You, you better go back to what you're doing. You didn't give him his cook. Hey, you go fuck us up. Bother you. Go away. Pah. Anyways. The preposterousness of separating humans from other animals as if humans are not animals when we clearly are. Can't tell you how many times where I had to go take a shit today. To claim that animals do not understand is humorous too. Because humans are animals. And other animals have shown to understand lots of different things. Sensation is in itself an understanding of different energy. But you could go into detail on that too. And there's other animals other than humans that have a larger ratio of brain to body, such as dolphins. Pah. And the understanding also comes in several aspects. So, for instance, I know someone who knows how to play an instrument, does not know how to read music, but does understand how to play the instrument. So, language is merely communication of understanding and not understanding itself. Understanding the language used to communicate the understanding is a whole other topic. And even at the neurological point of view, there are localizations of areas on the left portion of your brain. Two specifically. One is used for comprehension of language, and the other one is used for articulation of language. One could damage the articulation of language portion and still completely comprehend the language being spoken. While... Someone could have damaged just the understanding portion, yet speak completely fluently and become unnoticed until one has an in-depth conversation with them. Then you'll be wondering whether or not it's you who understands what you're saying, because the sense is lacking. Yeah, so Alcamion was yet another human around the 6th century BCE who is now remembered for thinking, perceiving, and performing and studying human anatomy. He has also been accused of dissecting an animal eye, other than human. 
and for some reason he's considered the father of anatomy, even though the Ayurvedic system of Hindu medicine has an author for the Shashrut Samhita, used to dissect people prior to alchemy. So I don't understand that. And then Greek people later on went over to many colleges in uh, India to bring forth information from India back to Greece. So that's kind of interesting. So not much is known about this sapien homo, but a lot of credit is given to him because he had some information that brought forth, yeah. yeah I will give him credit for understanding that the brain is where the mind is. Don't know much about the soul, but okay, we'll give that to him. Uh, Alchemion did not really have much of an impact on the history of neuroscience, but he is remembered, much like the Edwin Smith Papyrus, and much like the Ayurvedic system of Hindu medicine. They played a significant enough role so we could get a grasp of understanding that people had a somewhat grasp of understanding, even if they didn't know how to speak English. Anywho, my dog knows when I'm mad. That bitch understands what my tone of voice means. Isn't that right, Void? That's right, you're not here. Huh. So, before you go fuck yourself off, you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram. Gork specifically on the Face Fuck Your Mom book. And uh, thanks again to Escapegoat, the band who graciously lives as slaves in our dungeon, and Yoshio Pijoe, who somehow manages to cosby us before we do him. By doing him, I mean knocking him out. He isn't my type for some weird reason. Anyways, we leave in peace. And by we, we mean Void 2. Yeah, that's right. And uh, what was his name? Bob? Law? Yeah, you too. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Yeah. 